Welcome to Simple Conversations, the podcast that connects humanity and helps us all learn new perspectives to living a full life. My name is Inshira Addo. A big thank you to First National Bank for supporting Simple Conversations. Why let your business settle for less when you can get a lot more from First National Bank? Go beyond banking with a digital partner that understands your business. Let your business bank the better way with a business account from First National Bank. And for individuals, there are a whole range of products that can help you financially secure your future. And if you need to know more, please go to firstnationalbank.com.gh or opt to have one of their very caring and professional consultants call you back. Hello, um, my name is Akwesi Salpon. Um, at home, I am a dad of a, a two-year-old, a toddler. Uh, at work, I produce and present uh, news for a global audience on the BBC World Service. And I'm Eric Anku. Um, I am um, the untraditional dad in that I was a dad before I became a dad. I'm a lead software engineer with um, Morningstar Incorporated. You're welcome to uh, Simple Conversations. Thank you very much. Thank you. So, um, Eric, you're... <laughs> Your journey into parenthood, uh, for that matter, becoming a father, was not the traditional approach, you know. What was it like, you know, going into a relationship um, when there were already children that were not biologically yours? Um, yeah, um, so that, that was... Um, it, I, I, I don't want to say it was different for me, um, it, it, I didn't know what to expect, right? So fatherhood is not something we discussed, right? Growing up, mm-hmm. it wasn't something that we like really like z- like zoomed in on and try to figure out. Okay, this is how I'm going to approach it when I become a father. It, like so, so having that relationship with my wife now, um, and like seeing her, getting to know her, and knowing that I wanted to be with her made, I guess, made accepting the fact that she was already a mother easier for me, right? Um, and, you know, being that I was, I was, um, I was okay with, with um, figuring out how to be a father um, in that environment um, made me want to put in the work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't scare me away. Um, it, it rather encouraged me, right? It, it encouraged me in that. It's like, you know, like, like I said earlier to you, um, it, it gave me an opportunity before the real opportunity, right? So it gave me the space to be able to, you know, for lack of a better word, practice how to be a father, if that became it. Okay, that's interesting. I, I in, in your case, um, you went there, what we have accepted to call the traditional route. Um, you met your wife. She didn't have a child, and you two have a daughter now. When you were approaching the whole concept of fatherhood, what was your biggest fear? I, I think my biggest fear then um, and now still is whether um, I would be and if I'm being a good enough um, 
dad, whether I'm being a good father, whether I'm being a good role model mm. for my um, for my daughter, um, whether I am you know bringing her up the way she has to, you know, um, uh, I I I grew up with a, a single parent, my mother, mm-hmm. and I remember very well as a little boy. Um, her always saying to me, bring up a child um, the way they should grow. And when they grow, they would never depart from it. So that's a line, a verse from the Bible. Mm-hmm. And that essentially has been the way she she raised me. And so now, um, I think going prior to having my daughter and now, that is the, the constant thing I'm always thinking of. Um, am I showing her the right thing? Um, am I setting the, the right example? Uh, am I being a good dad? Um, will she be proud of me one day as a father uh, in terms of how I raised her? So I think that for me has constantly been the thing that I, I try to get my head around today. And you know, as Eric would all, might agree with me on, there isn't particularly a manual for bringing children up. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> you know? so happy. That. <laughs> you know, in, in, in my notes for this conversation, one of the things that, I thought to talk about was the absence of a blueprint. And, and of course, in your case yeah. and mine, we were both raised by a, a single parent, uh, being our mother. That's right. Um, yeah. And, and I have a, a younger brother um, who now has mm-hmm. a family of his own. Now, we grew up without that father figure present in our home. Um, That's right. But of course, you know, traditionally in Ghana, it's always said that, you know, a family has the child, but the village raises that the child. The village and the community and raises that child. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. And so we were fortunate in, in that regard. But Eric, in your case, if I'm not mistaken, you grew up, um, you know, uh, with your dad and mom together on, until his passing. Yes. You know, um, so yes. do you think that Approaching fatherhood was less scarier for you? Um, I, I wouldn't say it was less scary for me, um, <laughs> but maybe I'll say that um, I got, you know, um, someone might say that I got better glimpses of fatherhood than mm. the two of you did. Mm. Right? Because I can um, do things now and say, oh, I'm doing this because I didn't like it when daddy did it to me. Mm. Right, mm. so I have that example that I can, you know, I can pitch this against and say, "Oh, dad did this, and it was a good feeling for me, so I'm going to elevate that." Right? Or when I was a kid and dad did that, I didn't like it, so I'm not going to do it to my kids. Mm. Right? So, um, but 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 then again, like Shira said, um, um, we 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 all, even though I grew up in 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 a house that had my dad there. Um, there were still abs- absences, right, mm. from him. Um, I, my dad was on the road a lot, so I ended up spending more time under my mom's wings, mm-hmm. almost like the two of you, mm-hmm. right? So my dad was in the picture. He, was, he, he lived with us, but when he traveled, it was my mom and I, right? And the dynamic I have with my older brother is that he's 11 years older than I am, so we didn't really gel when I was younger, right? He was busy playing with his peers, and I got to stay with mom. Mm-hmm. Right. So I have I have this, you know, this value system of, oh, mom raised me on how mm-hmm. to be the kind of man that he would want to, you know, marry if she was growing up our age. Right. Mm-hmm. And then in, uh, in addition to that, 
we saw images in the in the in, in the community that were like that's a bad dad that's a good dad right mm. and then you pick and choose from all those little like basically just picking nuggets from everywhere putting them in in your in your sack and when it comes time to use it use it i didn't realize i was doing that until i became a dad right? it would appear that our our um uh, picture of what a, a good dad then would be must have been shaped by the women in our lives, our mothers, yes. Eric. Yes, I'll say that. I'll say that. I'll, I'll, I, I can. I can truly say that. I'm closer. I'm closer to my mom. You know, dad is no longer here. Um, so it's mm. almost like a cheating way to say I'm closer to my mom. But I was closer <laughs> to my mom. You know, than I ever was with my dad. Right. right. Because of you know the travel and the fact that I was you know I was around my mom so much. Right. Um, and then knowing that. I could always confide in her. Me being the man I am has always been, you know, I, 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 never, I never grew up at home when I was a child. I never grew up thinking I want to be a good dad. Right? Mm. I, I wanted to be a good man. A that good person. A mom proud. Mm. Right. And being a good father is just, you know, a byproduct of that. Wow. That's an interesting concept. Yes. So, so you aim at being, a wholesome human being. And out of that, exactly. you, you can then become a good father and a good husband and all the other, uh, the whole nine yeah. yards. But, but exactly. that said, you know, uh, I think the, the culture in which we grew up and uh, quite possibly this might be a uh, global in nature that there's quite a lot of pressure on, 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 on the man to set the tone, to lead, to set, the right examples and show leadership. Um, but somehow you kind of don't have a boot camp that prepares you for that. You know, you go through life, you meet a female you like, you fall in love and you're thinking, oh, you know, my life would be so much better if me and this young woman can walk together till death do us part. And then you start that journey. Then somewhere along the line, a baby mm. comes along um, and, and you watch the woman change through, um, you know, pregnancy. And then in that time, you're having to deal with, you know, hormonal changes, mood swings. And sometimes you're scratching. In my experience, there were times where I was like, ah, Charlie, if this is the pregnancy phase and I am bereft of ideas, would I be fit to be a dad. That was one of my sources of anxiety. What was it like for you guys? Mm. Um, you know, as, as all, all three of us agree, there, there isn't particularly a blueprint for how to go about this business of fatherhood or being a good man in the life of, you know, your partner. Um, but again, as we agree, based on our own experiences with, with, with our mothers, um, I think for me, it's been the thinking that I saw the, the, my, my mother's experiences. I saw the pain my mother went through. I saw the, my mother's difficulties. I saw my mother's tears. Um, I saw the extent to which she would go to make sure that um, I never went to bed with an empty tummy. I saw the extent to which she went to ensure that I had a good education. I saw the extent to which she went to ensure that I was safe, that I was protected, that I was happy. Um, and, and 
in all that time when my father was around, um, when my father wasn't around, um, her, her difficulties, her pains kind of made me begin to think that one day when I have my own family, I would like to be everything opposite to what my father has been, mm. you know? And so um, now that um, I have my own family, um, I, I try to put myself in, in my, my wife's shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not just as a partner, well, yeah, as a partner, but also as, you know, a decent human being. What do you do to, to support your partner? What do you do to support your wife? Someone you, you, you love, someone you care deeply about? How can I make her life more bearable in our marriage, in our home? Mm-hmm. How can I support her in terms of, well, it's not, in fact, it's not about supporting her. It's about me just stepping up and being um, a, her partner. So in terms of uh, bringing our daughter up, is it, always, it isn't always her responsibility to warm up the milk and, and sort out my daughter's food. I should do that. It is because we both work. And when we come back from work, we are all tired. Uh, so why must it always be her responsibility to be the one to fix my daughter's food or fix our food? Uh, why must it always be her responsibility to do the laundry? We had that child together and so equally we must bear that responsibility so i try to find out what can i do and more to support my child because here's the other thing and i suppose that's why it's even more uh, important when it comes to um for those who have sons um our boys our children generally take cues from what we do as parents Mm -hmm. so assuming i I, i'm i'm seeing things from this perspective assuming i had a son Mm -hmm. And uh, he saw that daddy was always sat behind the television watching football while my mother or his mom was in the kitchen slaving away for us to cook our meals, mm-hmm. uh, etc. Then he begins to pick up that habit from me as well. And so it becomes a cycle that continues. And that it wouldn't be an ideal way to bring up a son. Mm-hmm. Um, we also live in a world today where we talk about equality amongst the sexes. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it's one thing loving to cook, which I love to, but also I want to set an example for my daughter for her to know that her place is not in the kitchen, that the kitchen is not the exclusive reserve of women. Mm-hmm. The kitchen is not her exclusive reserve because she's a woman, that she, because she's a female. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so I cook and my wife is a, a professional herself. Um, and sometimes when I'm, when I'm cooking, my wife is in her office because my wife works from home and my daughter can see that, well, wow. Okay. Hold on a second. My dad is cooking. My mom is working. Other times I'm working from home as well. And mom is in the, is is in the kitchen cooking. So there's an equal share of responsibilities. And for me, that is the responsibility that I bring to father. And I think it's all down to what I perceive to be the lack of a father, a figure, when I was growing up and, and, and what pressures it put on my mother mm-hmm. and me constantly having to remind myself um, that if I had had a father and if he had stood up to the plate, mm-hmm. this is what he could have done mm-hmm. as a partner to my mother. And so therefore as a father, this is what I ought to be doing mm-hmm. uh, in my own home today. It's a very um, you know, practical approach and it's part of yeah. showing 
um, how, you know, modeling what a good person should be. It's also quite difficult because, I mean, in my case, and and, and Chris, you have a toddler at the moment. Eric, you have um, much older children that you contend constantly with the influences of the environment that the children are exposed to through school. Mm-hmm. How much of that was a challenge for you, Eric, um, in terms of what you model at home and what they're likely to be exposed to by way of associations at school and in the playground? That um, is always a challenge. Um, it always has been. Um, because society today is super in everybody's business, especially here in the U.S., right? Where a child can pick up the phone and dial 911, and if their stories don't line up, a parent can get arrested. A child can get taken out of the house, right? I want to be a good dad, but I don't want to be taken the wrong way either. Um, the, 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 the problem I had with, you know, our older boys um, was that sense of rebellion that came in because they had peers, you know, who could do whatever they wanted um, and the parents didn't really, you know, care. Um, so it became a case where, oh, I want to do this, but you're still my child. You're still under my roof, right? So there are some ground rules that need to apply still. You can do whatever you need to go do as long as A, B, and C are done, right? And the A, B, and Cs that were supposed to be done were things that will better you in the future. And if you don't want to do that, you know, and you rebel, that's on you. Um, the two older boys ended up wanting to be on their own. So, you know, they, they trying to be men. Um, and that kind of shapes some of the things that I do with Frederick, who is 14 now, because I look at examples that he's seen and I try to like create a, a better, like a, almost like a fine tune. Right. Of, mm-hmm. did, what, did I drop the ball somewhere? Right. Even though, you know, I, I, what I was doing was to make life good for them. Maybe I was, you know, you can say maybe I could have been a little softer. Right. <clears throat> but then again, I think about these things and I say some people are just who they are. Regardless of the environment you put them in, they will end up the way they were wired to end up. Our society influences us. Um, the home should have the best influence. And how I, I will say fatherhood should deal with that is by acting the way you want the kids to mm-hmm. be, right? Not, not just telling them how to be, mm-hmm. right? Be the example that they want to be by. Leadership, by example. By just showing, right? For example, you know, I open the door for my wife to sit down in the car. I close the door behind her, stuff like that. Like basically just showing things that a, they might not see in their friends' houses when they go, right? Mm-hmm. So you have a, a, something to compare against. Okay, see, I, I, in what Eric just said, I kind of picked the nuances of cultural differences. Um, and, and quite often yeah. we think of cultural differences as this grand concept of races and, and people from different parts of the world. But 
I mean, growing up in Ghana, uh, your culture as a Ga would be different from the culture of somebody who is an Ashanti, a Kweu, uh, or a Dagomba or, 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 or a Fanti, you know, um, how much of that factor, uh, affects the way you exert yourself, um, for the lack of a better expression, that you, you stand and be the father you're, you're meant to be. Insure and Eric, you know, when you have a little girl, mm, it's difficult. Let me explain. I have to confess, she's a daddy's girl. Okay. <laughs> uh, Ishra, <laughs> Ishra, you know the history um, um, behind, you know, uh, Eleanor, my wife, and I having our daughter. Uh, the history being we lost four um, children before we had her. Mm-hmm. So we've been married 11 years. We had her in the ninth year of our marriage. Um, which is why we named her Delana, which is an ever name, which means God's gift, that she's um, God's gift to us. Mm-hmm. So she is, quite, she is very precious to us. Uh, we love her way beyond measure. Uh, and I think she knows. <laughs> and she, she takes advantage of that. <laughs> <laughs> and, especially, and especially with me. Um, you know, so she really knows how to get out of my skin, even as a two-year-old. She really knows how to push my button. Uh, and much as I would like to really put my foot down hard, I, a lot of the time, think and remember the many tears I shed, the pain, the anguish, um, at the, the four others that we lost before. And, and I think, you know what, <laughs> Lord, um, I really want to, you know, uh, put my foot down, but I'm just grateful i'm just thankful to have you as my little gift and so i'm going to let that slide so that is my quandary that's the corner where she's backed me up in um a few weeks ago i was having a a, a chat with my my brother-in-law because he's got two daughters two uh young daughters i think the oldest is now 11 and the youngest is five mm-hmm. and i was asking him look <laughs> bro <laughs> um how do you discipline your your daughters <laughs> And he responded, oh, <laughs> to which you want to kill <laughs> you know, and he just, and he said to me, look, when you have to be strict, when you have, just let your no be no and, and let your yes be yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I was saying to him, look, you know, in, in, in Ghana, uh, the whole thing about, um, Sparing the rod and spoiling the child is essentially how we were brought up. Mm-hmm. I, I, I am, I was my mother's only child, but my mother never spared the rod. Mm-hmm. Um, I still remember the, 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 with agony the, the number of times that woman, my mother spanked me. And... And, and afterwards, she would cry herself and then give me a hug and apologize for beating me and then tell me why she beat me. And I learned lessons mm. from those. And now I live um, in, in a country where um, that isn't allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a different culture altogether. It's actually illegal to spank a child. And so you, you need to think, I think I, I'm, I'm having this 
conversation with myself. How do I put my foot down? Um, do I ask her to go stand in the corner when she's been naughty? We've done that a few times. If you just uh, bear with me for a second, I can hear her at the door because she's just walking from her afternoon nap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's a bit cranky. Hello. The, Come the here. Boss, okay. boss uh, yeah, yeah. The boss is here now. So, <laughs> uh, she's about to take over completely. Say hello. All right, okay. Please sit quietly while I have this conversation. Thank you. Um, so I'm having this conversation with myself about how do I, you know, um, be a disciplinarian, you know, draw the line um, while also making her know that I love her. And when I have to discipline her, it is out of love. Because if I don't let her learn the lessons of life now, one day I will regret it. Uh, and she might um, also regret the fact that I didn't lay down the law. And, and you know, it all always starts from the foundation. So it's best to build those foundations now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and shape what you know her future life will be. So it's difficult, but um, Masa, it's got to be done. <laughs> I, like, I like what you just said, Akwesi. Um, you know, because like you don't want her to um, grow up regretting um, not hearing good things from you or um, mm-hmm. life's you know like basically not having a, a skill to tip you know life mm-hmm. on, right? Um, and that's something my wife and I have said over and over again in this house. It's like, we don't want any child that leaves our house to get into a situation and say, I'm where I am today because mom and dad didn't tell me. Yeah. Right. That is always the line that you want to tip. Um, being someone who's, you know, done this um, with older kids than you have. Um, I would say that discipline doesn't necessarily mean hurting mm. right mm-hmm. um there are things that you can do like you know go sit in the corner right um but even that you need to um be careful how you do it because some children will love that corner that if yeah. you take, put them there you know i want to do it anyway right yeah so uh, like children are dynamic in that you have to um figure out what works for your daughter and use that to mold her, right? Um, it could be maybe a doll that she loves. You take it away from her for a couple of minutes, right? And then explain to her while, um, you know, while she's calm that this is why I took it, right? Always at her level, eye level. Um, this is why yeah. I took it from you. So, you know, towering over her and being domineering, right? Um, so eye level, explain to her, this is why I took it, right? I'm giving it back to you, but just remember you can do X, Y, Z. That's actually a good tip. And I'll tell you one thing I've always taken to doing uh, lately that I think works. So mind you, as I, as I say, she's, she's uh, two years and five, five months old. Uh, she's, she's only just started, um, her language skills are just beginning to pick up. So she's beginning mm-hmm. to make full sentences, very short, full sentences now. So we're beginning to have conversations. Mm-hmm. So when she's doing something that I do not like, I would say, um, you're making daddy sad. You're being naughty. Um, so don't do that. And, you know, I would explain to her the reason why um, whatever she was getting up to is naughty and why it's making daddy sad. And then she would say, I'm sorry, daddy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she might do it again after maybe 45 minutes and we'll have that same conversation again. I find at her age that 
there's a lot of repetition. You have to keep saying the same things mm-hmm. over and over and over again for her to get it. Yeah. Um, so for me, that's a lesson in impatience, mm-hmm. um, not just for her, but it's becoming a life skill generally for <laughs> almost all of my interactions now. Mm. Because whereas before, I used to be quite impatient. I just wanted to get things done, cut a stub of a finger. Let's go. Let's get things done. She's beginning to teach me how to be patient, how to bide my time and continue having those conversations that are necessary to motivate a certain action and or reaction. Mm. And that is one of the things I'm really excited about, the whole you know, fatherhood journey. It's opening my eyes to a whole different aspect of life. Um, which, you know, I wasn't open to before, in sure. Yeah. Um, you know, the point you just made is an awesome one. And it's, I've, I've said this a few times, that uh, when my boys were a lot younger, and even now, um, the way I deal with things has changed. It's changed from the way I deal with everything else and everyone else. And it's because of some of the lessons I've learned in trying to mold them. So from a very early age, um, I resorted to uh, negotiating. You know, and when I say negotiating, is to have a conversation about uh, actions, cause, and consequence. You know, so they appreciate that if you did A, B, and C, these are the outcomes, and these are the costs to you for doing what you did. Um, and, and that was largely because for me as a kid, I didn't have a father at home from the age of about six, my father had left. And I never stayed at home every day. I went out to play football and I come home late, dirty, uh, and my mom would whip me. And, you know, um, our neighbors would join in and they would whip me. And until one evening that I was getting last by my mom and while she was busy in her mind disciplining me I had traveled to the next day in my <laughs> mind and had scored a goal and was celebrating <laughs> and, so, and so I started laughing Talk about escapism. <laughs> I started laughing and that freaked her out because she thought okay is my son okay I'm, I'm, I'm actually inflicting a certain amount of pain on him. This is not the time he should be laughing. But it was because I needed to escape. I knew that I was so attracted to football, there was no way I was going to stop playing, um, and I will go again. So do your worst. And from that day, my mom resorted to having conversations with me to say, these are the reasons why I don't want you doing A, B, and C. And I think our relationship evolved uh, after that. But, but, but to, 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 the, to the real crux of what I'm trying to say is that I think I'm learning that having children gives you an opportunity or caring for children gives you an opportunity to relive your life and relearn some of the things that would make you a better, a better person. Um, Eric, in your case, you had children who had been around the, the, when they were birthed. You weren't there, so they didn't see you, and you were in that voice. Mm-hmm. Um, how were you able to get them to see the vision you had for the family? 
um, um, it was difficult for the, 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 you know, to get that through to the two older boys, you know, uh, you know, so um, they didn't see my vision um, for, and, 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 and I get, I get why that was right. Because I came into a picture where, you know, mom was all they had. Right. And they were quote unquote, the men of the house. Right. And now I'm getting that attention. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though they were, they were as young as they were, that dynamic was there. Right, I've I've basically stolen their place, if if you if you may. So that that part was difficult, um, but I'm lucky that I have Summer and Winter, who are you know who were younger at the time. Um, Summer was um, four, Winnie was three, um, at the time. Um, so they and they being girls, they do right, almost like that is that is girl. So they bought into what we're trying to do as a family unit. And also, Ishra, um, the the question about culture that that you asked mm-hmm. as well if i could just go back to it briefly um because I, I think it also ties into a crucial question um today which is identity mm-hmm. our identity mm-hmm. as, as as africans living in the diaspora in a time where um there are these massive protests in the united states where eric is mm-hmm. and similar concerns now seeing protests um, around the world in europe in australia and people beginning even to pick up some of these issues and unpick them as it relates to them on the continent in Africa and back home in Ghana as well. Mm-hmm. So you made the point about how, um, whether you were Ga or Eve or Ashanti, um, there was a certain cultural perspective to how you were brought up. Mm-hmm. But also the, the broader picture of the fact that if, and well, once you were growing up, well, no, we have the saying, it's not just your family that raises a child is a whole village, the whole community. Mm-hmm. So even if your parents weren't around, um, um, the neighbors were around keeping an eye on you if you weren't astray, mm-hmm. you know, and they could discipline you. They could tell your parents uh, about what you'd been, you'd been up to and you could get into trouble for it. So all of that helped shape us and, and bring us up. Now we live, Eric and I today in, in environments where that sort of um, social support community support doesn't necessarily exist mm-hmm. um because one you do we still we are not still steeped or live in that culture mm-hmm. um we live in communities where um the thinking around parenting is different from where we have come from where we grew up mm-hmm. um and then added to that is now for the, the our children today is that whole thing about who they are, their heritage, their identity, and then that other layer of um, equality to other races. Mm-hmm. So it's actually, it's, it's a particularly interesting time um, to be a parent or challenging time to be a parent, an interesting time to be a child growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things I really admire about what my wife is doing with Elena, and, and I must confess, I'm not, doing enough on that front and and i keep committing myself to really applying you know doing as much as my wife is doing is um speaking our our language mm. to our daughter mm-hmm. so my daughter speaks ever to delana mm-hmm. um my mom-in-law who who is with us you know travels back and forth from london to accra to support us with our daughter speaks ever to our daughter um, me on the other hand, my brother for seventeen years, and I'm a couple of which I collect. 
and 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 I've said to myself, I need to do less of that. So I'm trying. Mm-hmm. I suppose it's because, um, yeah. So my mother is ever. So I'm part ever, and my father, the, the support name is Asante. Mm-hmm. Um, my ever is not as fluent as my wife's, and so I'm just giving excuses for why I'm not speaking enough ever to be honest. <laughs> but you know, in terms of culture. Um, these are just some of the basic markers that can help our children um, be in connection with who they are, their identity, their heritage, and who they are in the society in which we live today in the diaspora. And part of speaking our language to her also leads to us showing her our ways, explaining to her you may live in the United Kingdom, you may live in America, you may live in Russia, but mm-hmm. this is who you are. Yeah. This is how we do things. This is how we have done things for years. And as a result of that culture, as a result of that way of doing things, we have produced great people mm-hmm. like Yasantua, like Kwame Nkrumah, mm-hmm. you know, like Kofi Annan, mm-hmm. um, all the mighty people that have come from our country and from our continent. Mm-hmm. We were raised in this culture that has made your father, who he is, we're raised in this amazing culture that has made your mother who she is. Mm-hmm. And both your parents are looking out for your best interest. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that is where our culture and the way we pass that on uh, to reinforce who our children are, to recognize their identity, to have a sense of self and confidence in their being in who they are, where they've come from, mm-hmm. makes a big difference so that when we see people in this part of the world burdened mm-hmm. by the history of race mm-hmm. and racism, mm-hmm. uh, and it's difficult for them to connect themselves to where they have come from, and so they question their sense of identity. Mm-hmm. Because out here in the West, they are not recognized as part mm-hmm. of the society. Mm-hmm. And because they don't know where they have come from, they can't even claim lineage or to be a part of their origins, what would have been the origins. It's even more difficult for them. Yeah. So I have found that whole thing about culture and identity and the way we bring it up even more poignant now more than ever yeah. with these conversations that are going on around the world. Yeah. Um, as I say, we learn something new every day. So we just try to unpick it and see how we can make it relevant to her um, yeah. as she grows older. My, 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 my story is slightly, you know, different from yours, Akwesi, in that mm. my, wife, my wife was born here. Oh, she, mm-hmm. not, 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 not only born here, she's American. Full okay. Black, like, she is an African-American. You are an Ewe boy, grew up in grew up, Takradi. Grew up, grew up in Takradi and Accra and, <laughs> you know, Kumasi and like, I'm, I'm, That's I'm very I'm, diverse. A mix of a lot of amazing things, Eric. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's we've true. got our, it's a rich background. Yeah, that's true. You know, so 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 in my in in my case, it's difficult to speak the language, right? Because I'll be doing it alone, right? Mm. Um, and then I would have to be say it and then translate to my wife what I said. Mm. But um, not not making that an excuse. One thing that we've tried to do, and my wife loves being in Ghana. She loves being in Ghana. She loves the freedom that Ghana gives her. And yeah. she one day wants to live in Ghana. Not so you're, it makes it welcome. easier for us, you know, to, to, to take the kids to Ghana so they can have some sense of, oh, this is our family. 
Mm. Right, so there, there is there. We don't, we don't have. They don't have that. You know, complete disconnect. As in, we don't know our roots. They know that is from Ghana, right? Um, and you know, they've been a couple of times. So that 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 relationship that they have um, with my origin, right, mm. helps them a little bit. A lot of people yeah. don't have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I, I, even in these times that you know these crazy times we're in, I've 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 said on many occasions that I have an escape hatch, right? If push came to shove, I can move my family and we can go to Ghana. That's right. Right. A lot of people don't have that. Where are they going to go? Some ship? Mm. It, it's 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 crazy. Mm. You know the you know? The, the, the question the, the question of identity is very interesting from. Um, Akwesi and Eric, your perspective, uh, your realities uh, gives you a very different perspective to this or, mm-hmm. or rather exposes you to different dynamics. Uh, Akwesi, in your case, um, having worked in the UK and, you know, um, but, but with, with Delanem, um, Delanem coming up as a toddler now, she may not be crying home because some kid at school said something terrible to her. But at least you see these things happen in the society. Does that give you any concern? And, and how have you uh, imagined you would deal with it? You know, now that he's saying, I'm not concerned. <laughs> um, yes, and, and, and I, I've, I've, yeah, I've, I've had anecdotes from some of our friends, you know, who obviously have older children, um, you know, expressing the same. I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, and Eric. I haven't, I haven't given it a great deal of thought yet, except to say, I think the few times we've had conversations around this, for example, in the office, uh, I have said to my colleagues, for example, that um, you live under my roof, you have to live by my rules. At what age would I allow Delana? to have her own mobile phone. Mm-hmm. It was a conversation we, we were having in the office. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the other parents with more experience because they have older children brought to me some very basic home truths because I was thinking along the lines of, I don't see why I should give my daughter a mobile phone until she's probably 16, 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the home truths I was faced with was, well, the reason why parents do that today uh, with younger children is because you want to know where they are when you have to, you need, you need to know where they are and if they are all right. You need to keep, communi- you want to communi- communicate with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so those are some of the practical, the practicalities of it. Uh, and the reason why I was averse to the idea of her having a mobile phone at a young age was because, you know, I'm worried about, you know, while she has a mobile phone, the next thing she has internet on the phone, the next thing she's online, mm-hmm. you don't know which predators are lurking on there, what she's exposed mm-hmm. there, and all those sort of yeah. concerns, yeah. you know. Um, and, and so, as I said before, I don't think I've really thought very far into the future of what I'm going to do at that point, but I've been forced to begin to reckon with the practicalities or some of this decision-making mm-hmm. that, you know, parents don't, for example, give devices to children simply because... Um, it's a luxury or they can afford it. It's, it's just a practical thing. I used to be one of those parents who said, ah, you know what, I'm not going to allow my daughter to have uh, a tablet. 
uh, because I don't want her to be addicted. Mm-hmm. And then we started traveling. Um, the last, well, so yeah, we started traveling with her because Isra, as you know, Eleanor and I travel a lot for mm-hmm. work and for leisure as well. And then I realized the only way I could get Delana to, to calmly be on a seven hour, 10 hour flight mm-hmm. was to give her her iPad mm-hmm. with her, um, with, 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 with her favorite programs on, um, on, on CBBS, which, you know, in the UK is produced by the BBC and is educational, but a lot of children's programs. Mm-hmm. And for, yeah, and for, and for an, a flight of minimum seven hours, um, she was on there for quite a bit in between sleeping and waking up and watching it some more. So there are always reasons why parents with far more experience than I do, do things. So I think when I have conversations like this with people like you, with Eric, with others, my contemporaries who have all the children, I learn something. Yes, I think, you know, it, it all goes back to what we said initially. There isn't a blueprint for, for parenting, for fatherhood. So what you do is you talk to other people, you listen to other people's anecdotes and you learn and you adapt the experiences to your own circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, gentlemen, we can talk for ever on this subject. Um, but I'd like to wish you both a, a happy Father's Day and uh, hoping that uh, this conversation will light a bulb somewhere, give somebody an encouragement and clear some clouds and hopefully get them to uh, be great models as fathers and, uh, and, and those who may have uh, forgotten the call of fatherhood may rediscover the need to go back and uh, rebuild that legacy that the gift of a child brings, you know, that, that responsibility that the gift of a child brings. Uh, final words. Uh, I start with you, Eric. What would be your final word? Um, okay, so um, I'll say thank you, Inshira, for um, you know getting you know three fathers together, um, three Ghanaian fathers um, sitting in different parts of the world um, with different perspectives. Um, this is good. You know, I, I I wish we had this when we were entering fatherhood. Right? We didn't have this. Um, so I hope that someone will. Um, you listen to this and benefit from it. Um, I, as I said earlier, fatherhood is not static. It's, it's evolutionary. So you need to be a better dad tomorrow than you were. Um, um, uh, uh, you need to be a better dad today than you were yesterday, right? Um, and if you have that goal in mind, right, um, being ready to evolve, then you, you'll be... Um, in a better place to raise children. To, 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 to just um, bring a statistic, a little bit of a statistic in here. Um, in America, one out of four kids is fatherless. Wow. Right? One out of four kids is being raised by their mother. Wow. And that says something, you know, um, and, and that says something about the the... The, the, the future. If us men are not stepping up our responsibility, we're going to have a generation that will remain lost or get deeper lost than the, the, the generation we're in now. That needs to change. Some of the things are not necessarily because um, the father is being irresponsible, right? Assistance is a role in it. But that's, you know, a topic for another day. I'm saying if you have the opportunity to be a father, be a good one. Right, be a good one, and the legacy you leave behind will blow the minds of who come after you. And that's what I have to share.
Awesome. You know what? I couldn't have said it any better than Eric. So I think that is the point where we want to sign up in Shiraz. So I'm just going to say thank you so much. All right. Me and Eric up to have this conversation. And I want to wish you and Eric as well a happy Father's Day. Oh, thank, thank you, you very much. And uh, thank you both for availing yourselves. Uh, Eric, uh, best of uh, love and uh, hugs to Kizzy and uh, Akwesi. Our love to Elena and uh, the boss, Delana. <laughs> Say thank you. Bye. No matter what business you're in or what sector you serve, First National Bank Ghana Limited can give you the business support that you need to be able to grow your business. You can go to firstnationalbank.com.gh to find out more or opt to have one of their professional consultants call you back and take you through the various options that will be suitable to help you grow your business. You can step into their branches in uh, Accra, Kumasi, Takradi, and in Tema. First National Bank, how can we help you? You've been listening to Simple Conversations with me and Shira Addo, and I hope our conversation helps you live a fuller life. Do join us again for the next episode.